Welcome to Conservative Patriot Nation, new mem- new members and returning members. Today we have a very, very special candidate running for Congress out there in Florida, the state where you don't have to wear a face mask, and they got an awesome governor, and they have an awesome candidate running for Congress that is America first. And now I present to you Darlene Swafer. How are you doing, Darlene? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, we live in the freest state in the nation. We love our governor. And interestingly enough, a lot of the things that our governor does with regards to executive orders and legislation is is sort of like an indication of of things to come. So, you know, watch Florida. We are, um, you know, very forward thinking and we are uh, very focused on li- limited government, less taxes. You know, we don't have a state tax here. And, uh, you know, out of 11 million uh, citizens that live in the state of Florida, I believe we have over 4 million concealed weapons permits. So this is absolutely a Second Amendment, you know, right to own state. Um, and I love that about Florida. So, yeah, I'm Darlene Swaffer, I'm running for Congress in Florida's District 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, that area is a good portion of Boca Raton, which is in West Palm Beach County, and then a very good portion of uh, Broward County. So it's everywhere from Coral Springs, Parkland, uh, Deerfield Beach, Pompano Beach, a little bit of Coconut Creek, Margate, Pompano Beach, and a good portion of uh, Fort Lauderdale. And it goes really mm-hmm. from Port Everglades, where the ships come in and some cruise cruise uh, ships come in, all the way to the border of Boca Raton and all those beaches, about 1.2 million residents. And uh, really excited to run. I have a lot of things to share, but don't know if you wanna, if you have any questions that you wanna start with or you know what you want me to share. No, the floor is yours. Um, my job as a godly patriot is mm-hmm. shedding light on great godly patriots like yourself. And we're gonna be having Candace doing a show with us next month. So okay. the floor so let the patriots know who you are the okay. floor is yours. and when you're ready for q a we'll start q a sure so i'll i'll start off by saying you know uh you know a lot of people have shared with me you know darlene you're too nice to run for office and you know that part is very i'm a very nice person i mean just genuinely that is who i am i can't hide who i am but a lot of people don't know where I grew up. I grew up in a third world country and some people know that as Brooklyn, New York. Uh, So I'm originally from Bushwick. Uh, The time that I grew up there was in the 70s and 80s, drug infested, gang violence, drug dealers right outside our door. They controlled the hallways. We had police barricades at the end of the block. We had prostitutes in the corner. uh, And it was a, a very harsh way Uh, to bring up children. And my mom did it as a single mom. Our our father passed away when when we were really young. And I grew up in that environment with, um, you know, police sirens in the middle of the night and shootouts at two in the morning. And I had to sleep through that. So my answer is, no, I'm ready for DC, but I don't think DC is ready for me. I'm, you know, half Boricua. And, uh, you know, for those that don't know what that means, I'm half uh, Puerto Rican descent. Uh, I'm the first Uh, Hispanic woman to ever run for Congress in Broward and Palm Beach County's history. I'm an entrepreneur. I run a successful business. I'm trademarked as the Medicare lady, and I run a Medicare health insurance 
brokerage company contracted with the majority of the carriers and we have a team of 30 agents. So my story truly is a rags to success story. I put myself through college. I went to, um, you know, I was working full-time during the day and I went to college nights and weekends. So I break every narrative because, you know, if you grow up Puerto Rican in a predominantly democratic community for all intents and purposes, you should be Democrat. So guess what? I'm not. I'm a conservative Hispanic woman and DC's not prepared for that. And then the other narrative that I dispel is, you know, the fact that, you know, people say, oh, there should be student loan forgiveness. Everybody should have a free ride to college. Well, you know what? I didn't have a free ride. I worked and not everybody who can afford college should maybe go to college. Maybe you should work first, save up money and go to college or work for a company that has tuition reimbursement, or maybe even think about a different profession because there's honor in being a plumber or an electrician or a realtor or an insurance broker or hairstylist. You know, these are trades that, you know, don't require as much, uh, uh, you know, years and years of education won't put you in debt you know, in the process, and you can start earning a living right away. So I think that's, that's the narrative that they kept pushing for the last several decades, that the only way to have a life or the only way to have a future is you have to go to college, you have to go to college. And and what did what did that do? It really, you know, put a struggle on parents um, to make that dream happen for their children. And it, and it turned a lot of college grads into, you know, with very high debt loans and not a whole lot of job opportunities and around that time when that was going on the last several decades what were they doing they were offshoring a lot of jobs outside the country we had a lot of college grads that as soon as they graduated they couldn't find a job and you know that all that hurts the community you know uh, and our economy and I get that. So, you know, I, I definitely believe that I'm the candidate that day because I want to call everybody out on their BS in two seconds because that, that part of me is the Brooklyn part of me too. So uh, let's talk about endorsements. So our campaign is endorsed by General Michael Flynn. We have the endorsement of Roger Stone uh, for Veterans for America First. Uh, the Republican National Hispanic Assembly, of which I serve as the president in Broward County. Mm. And um, I also sit on the leadership council for the Nash, the National Small Business Association. I'm very pro uh, small business and trying to really help entrepreneurs because they are the backbone of our country. They employ the most Americans. So we really have to do more to help our small businesses. And um, you know, from the very beginning, I was fighting all the lockdowns that really devastated the community and, and put a lot of people out of business. Uh, locally, you could say maybe I'm a little bit of an av av uh, activist because I was fighting the school board when they were uh, exhibiting their, you know, tyrannical overreaching on their mask mandates. And uh, for a very short period of time, Broward County Schools and Palm Beach County Schools was trying to implement, or I mean, that was their goal to implement vaccine mandates. And I spoke at the school board meeting twice. I helped draft the demand letter, uh, which now the content of that demand letter is being used to create the affidavit because there's still some policies that they are not, they're not listening to parents. And, and it goes back to, you know, parents, delegated their authority to the school board to educate our children. We did not delegate the authority for healthcare decisions. So, you know, as citizens, 
we need to collectively unite and and say no. You know, we have the opportunity to be non-compliant with this overreach. We as a society need to go back to our roots. We have to uh, re-educate on our power of we the people through the rights that we have bestowed upon us. They're God-given to begin with, but they're protected rights through our state constitutions and our government constitution. And we need to uh, basically smarten up and say, no, I'm not going to allow you to infringe on my rights. I'm not going to allow you to pass legislation that's going to impact my, my my right to bear arms. I'm not going to allow you, OSHA, to implement mandate that you have no authority. OSHA has no authority to create uh, any kind of policy, mandates, laws. That is not their form of governing body. They're just supposed to administer what has been legislated by our government. And when I called that out on social media, I was vilified. But guess what happened? You know, through the Supreme Court, they shut that down. So that's the thing. We all have to be educated on what our rights are and collectively say no. Um, and I also think just like Candace, you know, I know mm -hmm. Candace very well in terms of her background. I've spoken to her. You know, she's a God-given, God-fearing, you know, patriot candidate. We need every governor to be that way. We need every elected official in our in our country to you know to to have those basic principles of you know you're serving the people you're not there to enrich yourself you're not there to line your pockets you're not there for ulterior motives or you know uh grandioso type you know uh ideas of why you want to serve you're there to serve the people if you're not going in for that reason you need to pull yourself out because i think altogether as Americans, we've had enough. We've had enough of, you know, elected officials that are not serving us properly. And the reason why I'm in this race is I have a 12-year-old son. I am disturbed by the idea that he may not have a future. At the trajectory of where our country is going, he's not going to have a future. And so that's the reason why I got in the race. Um, I did a lot of research on my family ancestry. And I, I think that's what kind of inspired me to do the research that I did on the Constitution for the last four years. On my father's side of the family, which I didn't really know too much about my, my father because I was six years old when he passed away, uh, I learned that my fifth and sixth grandfather served in the Revolutionary War and the War of 1812. And my ninth great uncle is Benjamin Franklin. And I believe to a certain extent, and you know, in addition to the fact that I want to fight for my my son's future, I I felt a very strong connection with. I have people in my lineage that fought for this country, so that's where that desire comes from. It's in our DNA. You know, everybody I think in some respect can go back into their history and find a little bit of who they are, because um, you know the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I mean, I. I'm in this fight for the right reasons. I believe that we're poised to flip the seat and take back the house. Uh, and why do I say that? For a couple reasons. Uh, number one, the Republican National Hispanic Assembly has joined forces with Strike Force. Strike Force uh, was formerly, you know, a, a Latin organization, a conservative Latin organization, and they created an app 
that is going to help with the ground game to help candidates get elected. So in addition to uh, uh, door knocking and phone banking, endorsed candidates of this organization is, is one of the primary uh, focus of trying to, you know, with strike force helping us get elected. So that's one. Number two, being trademarked as the Medicare lady, I have penetrated the senior community in my market. And so I believe that I not only can get the Hispanic vote, diversity vote, the Republican vote, I believe that I can get the senior vote. Okay. We were endorsed by veterans for America first. And their goal is to get their candidates elected and they're going to have veteran boots on the ground knocking on doors and phone banking. So I believe I can get the veterans votes. So I believe that our campaign is poised to be successful in this race. And we have some really big um, supporters locally. Uh, we have a very strong ground game. I do have a primary, but I'm considered the front runner in our race. Um, and you know, I've, I've been invited to speak at major conferences. Uh, the last one was in Vegas at the Patriot Double Down Conference. On my website, you'll see that speech. And then I was also invited uh, to Naples to speak at the annual Republican National Hispanic Assembly Convention. And that was in October as well, in the beginning of October. And then back in July, I was in Branson, Missouri uh, with Doug Billings for the Patriot, uh, Determined Patriot Conference. Um, and, you know, one of the things that God calls me to talk about is repairing the American family, which has been decimated. And, and the biggest probably part of that or the solution that I see is how they've taken men out of our family. I mean, they've castrated them. They've feminized them. They have uh, destroyed their ego and their place and their role in, in where they're supposed to be, not only in, in our families, but uh, as role models uh, for our children throughout society. And one of the things that I talked about in the um, Vegas speech was, you know, I wanted to ask our men to be the alpha males that God has called you all to be. You need to come back and take your rightful place in society and be our husbands, our fathers, our mentors, our, you know, our village to help our women and our children. And I even went so far and I got a lot of flack about that, but I, get, I don't care. Um, I got a lot of flack about apologizing on behalf of women. I apologized on behalf of women nationwide for not protecting you when we should have, for not, you know, calling out the left that was telling us women that we don't need men, that we can do everything a man can do. How many times women are, are told, you don't need a man. And I don't believe that. I, I need I need men in my life. I, I love having my brother in my life and my uncle and, and all the male mentors that I've had in my life that have enriched my life. And, you know, I can't teach my son how to be a man. His father can teach him how to be a man. I can teach him how to treat women because I'm a woman, right? So... I believe that we've got, as women, we need to take a stronger uh, role model ourselves and a, and a stronger voice to help rebuild our families and protect our men because they are constantly attacking men and they're constantly attacking white men. And we need to put a stop to that because men have a very critical and important role in society. Um, so 
<laughs> so, you know, I don't know how you feel about that, but, you know, earlier when I said, I don't really care what anybody uh, says, that's because I'm 55 years old. I've lived my life. I've traveled around the world. I have run a successful business. I got married, had a child. I did everything that I have, that I was meant to do in this life. So I don't really care who I piss off. You see, I don't, and I, and I said that on the Anne Vazesville show, I don't care who I piss off. I don't care if I piss off any liberal, crazy Marxist, communist, socialist people that want to destroy our country. I don't care. You know why I don't care? Because I see them as an infringement on my rights and I see them trying to destroy my son's future. So I don't really care what they think. Now, if they want to have an open dialogue and they want to, um, you know, have a better understanding about how our constitution works and how um, they're infringing on our rights and perhaps maybe they can refocus their thoughts and follow our constitution, then I'll, I'll have an open dialogue and discussion about that. But I think we're at the, at the trajectory in our government where you're either on the side of being a patriot who wants to protect our republic yeah. or you're on the side of evil. It's one or the other. You have to choose a side. You have to pick a side. You're a patriot that loves your country and wants to protect your constitution yeah. or you're siding with the enemy. But you got to pick a side, okay? And then once you pick a side, we know how we can go forward in this country. Um, so that's where we are, we're at. I believe that our founding fathers, you know, they they said it right on the last line of the Declaration of Independence. They gave their life, their liberty, and their, um, I'm sorry, their life, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. Um, and if you look at Paul Harvey's retelling of the Declaration of Independence, he called them the gallant 56. And if you look at how they sacrificed everything, you know, their plantations were destroyed, their ships were burned in the harbor, Many of them were hunted, um, you know, right through the forest because the, the soldiers knew all those signers and they were after them. OK, I think that as Americans, we all have to figure out we've got 10 months to save this country. That's it. We got 10 months. So yeah. everyone has to have their act together. I'm doing my part. I have been I, I get attacked every day. It's cost me clients. It's affecting my business. If I dedicated 100% of my time to my business, I'd make a lot more money, okay? I'm willing to sacrifice a lot. Instead of being on a podcast with you, I could be out camping with my son, okay? I could go on a camping trip with my son. So I'm doing my part to put my life on hold to try to save our country. So my question to everybody listening is, what are you prepared to do? Because at this point, if you're not spending your time helping a candidate get elected and preferably an America first candidate, if you're not helping a candidate get elected, you're wasting your time. Amen. Okay. Yeah. So it's either you are making phone calls for the candidate, you are knocking on doors, delivering door hangers for the candidate, you are volunteering in some capacity, writing a press release, um, getting that candidate to be on um, speaking engagements at different uh, Republican clubs or conservative clubs. You are uh, uh, doing any administrative work, stuffing envelopes, whatever it is. Stop what you're doing for 10 months and dedicate 
whether it's an hour a day, a couple of hours a week, if you uh, would rather donate and say, okay, here, here's a hundred bucks. Maybe you can hire somebody or buy a couple lawn signs. You have to do something. Everyone has to take a part. We all have a talent. We all have an active role to play. And if we don't do this, we will lose our country. Okay, it is that serious. That's the stage where we're at right now. And so when people say, well, I, I, I don't want to donate to a candidate. I've never donated before. You know, most America first candidates, we're not millionaires. So we can't self-fund and we can't buy a seat. See, most people that have run for office and actually get elected, they self-funded. They purchased their seat. And so this is where we are right now as a country with a lot of people complaining about who we have serving us in Congress, right? So now you have an opportunity to help an America first candidate with a donation. Could be any amount, $5, $17.76, okay? So whether you do it monthly, whether you do it uh, one time, that money 100% goes to the campaign. I don't take a I don't take a penny from the campaign because my business supports me financially. For 11 years I built up my business enough that when I wake up in the morning all my bills are paid. So I don't need a penny from the candidate uh, from the campaign. All the money that we collect on our campaign, 100% of it goes directly to voter outreach. And and what does it pay for? The only person getting paid right now in my campaign is my treasurer who files the FEC reports, which is required. There's no way to get around that. I have over 50 dedicated volunteers for our campaign. So the money goes to buying palm cards, um, door hangers, lawn signs, uh, uh, you know, creation of videos, social media advertising, advertising in local newspapers. If we have enough in the budget, we'll get a couple billboard sites, um, you know, uh, TV advertisement. So all that costs a lot of money. To, to win a primary election, minimum is about 250,000. We've so far raised close to 50,000 and we started raising money in July. So we're actually doing pretty good, okay? So I'm thinking after the holidays, there's going to be a huge push in the next quarter for a lot more campaign fundraising events. And then some of the endorsements that we have are going to also help us with campaigning. But uh, the point is, is that we don't get any discounts. Nobody comes to us and says, hey, let me offer you a discount on your advertising. It doesn't work like that. We have to pay the same price as everybody else. And running a campaign is quite expensive. What helps to offset that is if we can get volunteers to help us do the work or maybe local businesses to do in-kind uh, donations um, to help us like with team meetings. Like instead of us, you know, buying food for our team to meet, the re a restaurant could donate, you know, some meals like so that we can meet. So these are the things that helps candidates get elected. So um, I don't know if that was enough information to share on, you know, where we are in our campaign. Uh, but what I'd love to do is maybe take some questions and we could talk about legislation. We could talk about anything controversial. We could talk about anything you want so that you have a better understanding of what my campaign is all about. And also, I want to hear your concerns. So that is information that we can bring to Congress. Most definitely. And I like that you said, you know, uh, they buy their seat.
And if there's not anything we haven't learned <laughs> um, since 2020, they're buying mm-hmm. their votes as well. So it's very okay. important to help contribute to those campaigns for like Candace Taylor, Darlene Swafer, and tonight, mm-hmm. like Jerome Bell and many others, I'm going to be donating $100 to Darlene Swafer's Thank campaign. You. All and right, Swafer for Congress.com, S W A F F A R. That's the spelling behind me. F-O-R-Congress.com. That's the website. Most definitely. And if you guys can match $5, that'll be awesome. And now we can get to Q&A. So if anybody has questions for Darlene, press the middle button. We'll call upon you. Hey, I was just going to say, Darlene, this is Candace. I was just going to tell you that you did a great job giving your speech. You are a patriot. We're so thankful that you're running in our union. You know, we have to have true patriots to run and to be willing to sacrifice and to serve because we are public servants and trustees of the people. It's not about leaders. You're, you know, Jesus was the best leader of all and he washed his disciples' feet. So when you're a servant, and you have it in your heart to do good by people and be able to people be able to trust you, then you are a leader. That comes naturally. Just choosing the best leader from the pack to run, that's not what the Constitution says. It says public servant. So when you were talking at first about how kind and nice you are, that's great. That's what we need. That's what we need in Florida. That's what we need in America. And so I'm thankful for your kindness. And I know that you're a fighter. I can tell that after our conversations we've had on the phone and I've looked at you, you're a fighter and we appreciate you. And I just want to tell you, I wanted to hop on here and hear what you had to say and support you tonight. And I would be donating as well. I'm going to donate $20 and 22 cent. And so everybody on the call, y'all all go give Darlene $20 and 22 cent. I raised five grand the other night doing that. Thank you. Thank you, Candace. I appreciate it. And you know, I want to, I want to share something with you and the, in the um, Patriot Double Down Conference in Vegas, I talked a little bit about this. So uh, Benjamin Franklin's dad, okay, his father was Josiah Franklin. Josiah Franklin came uh, to Massachusetts from England because of religious persecution. He was an evangelical Christian. When he married a Bayer Folger, her father was Peter Folger who also came here at the time from England because of religious persecution. He was also evangelical. He focused more on Puritan values. So there's a document. And the reason why I'm sharing all this is I had, I had a a theory. My theory came from a lot of the research that I did with authors like William J. Fetter, who's a world renowned author on early American history and our constitution and Chris Ann Hall, who was a Florida attorney and did so much research on early American history and the constitution. These are my most loved authors. And when I did all this research, I'm like, well, you know, people say all the time that we were in a country not founded on Christian values or they, you know, you have to separate church and state. And, um, you know, they, they took the Bible out of like, uh, several, several, um, courthouses and, and, you know, public, public uh, uh, properties. And, you know, I I was thinking to myself, John Adams, um, Benjamin Franklin, these are the children and grandchildren of the people that fled for religious persecution. And so 
I'm thinking they they were not they were not raised other than with those same values. Um, and so when you look at their speeches, like for instance, John Adams says, "We are a country founded for a moral and just society. We are not founded for for a society that, of any other." Like in other words, the only way that we can work as a country is if we are a moral and just society. And it goes back to what I was sharing earlier about rebuilding the family. Uh, the reason why they try to destroy the family is that is how you destroy a country, okay? Amer the, the American family, the strength of the American family helps build communities. A strong community builds a strong government. A strong government builds a strong country. So how do you tear down a country? We they can't attack us. We're all armed, right? We all we have the right to bear arms. Okay. So if they can't attack attack us from the outside, they're gonna attack us from within. They're gonna destroy our families and they're gonna infiltrate our education system and indoctrinate our children to idolize, you know, Marxist ideologies and socialistic ideologies. They this has been a, a plan in place for decades to destroy us. So that's why, you know, I pray a lot and my my prayers keep sharing with me that I need to talk about rebuilding the American family, because that's where we're going to find strength and that's where we're going to find unity. I agree 100 percent. And we have Steve Y. You can unmute your mic. Hello, Darlene. Uh, Hi, Steve. First, I want to say that what what you've said is awesome. Thank you for that. Thank you for fighting. Um, I also wanted to say, because my ears perked up and you said you were 55, because I just turned 55. So I thought that was pretty cool. The other thing I want to say is, is um, I'm an ad writer. Um, I'm independent now because I've been put out to pasture. You know how the ad industry is. You get old, they, they put you out to pasture. But um, I worked on Governor Walker's campaigns here in Wisconsin. And so if you need any time, ideas, anything donated, I can do that for you. Definitely. Sure you I'm sure you'll have your team in, in place. But I just want to offer that out because you talked about advertising. And I'm an ad guy. Worked with Scott Walker. I worked on all the campaigns he won. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely under under our website, Swaffer for Congress, there is a way for us to send us all your information. Just info at swafferforcongress.com if you want to email me your contact information, and we'll send you a reply. And anytime I need your help, absolutely, I'll reach out to you. Okay, that that would be great. I'll do that. Thank you. I appreciate your help. And yeah, good luck. Thank you. And Kelly, I know you've been waiting for this moment. So my admin, Kelly, I definitely know she's ready. Hey, how are you? I'm a good little nervous. Kelly. How are you? Good. Um, and hey, Candace, I, I've been following you too. So it's, it's nice to see you on. But um, I had a few questions. I'm from Florida. You can hear my voice probably i'm a native i moved away just one year to texas and you know how it goes they say that's too endless but um you 
first of all, I appreciate everything you're saying. You sound like, honestly, like a true Floridian. <laughs> um, and you just have what all my morals and everything I stand for. And I'm, I'm just like that, like you. I'm a bull when I have to be. I'm a mama bear. I'm a single mom. So, I mean, everything you're saying is just, I was like cheering you on. But oh, I have you. a few questions. Sure. Um, I love, okay, first of all, the business part. Uh, gosh, I wish I could sit down with you. I'm a teacher um, for a company, but I've been saving probably like five, six years. And I have a good amount. And I'm just saying that I'm, the reason I'm bringing that up, I'm at the point where I have everything I need to buy established business. But I'm stopped right now because of uh, everything going on. I just, I don't feel comfortable. God's telling me just, you know, wait, like I have a business broker. And the re one of the reasons I'm stopping is my tracks or gets me really like nervous to buy something is the minimum wage going up to $15. What do you think will happen? And what do you have any plans for business owners? Because I just feel like. I could be wrong, but that's going to bring a huge surge of inflation. And um, I'll let you answer that. And if I have time, I have another question. But I really wanted that question about the. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's I think it's a smart question. And I think you're very wise to wait it out. And I and I don't want to be somebody who's an expert to give you that kind of advice. But if I was in your shoes and that's the only way that I can answer I think because we have such an unstable administration um, with their government government overreaching and they're constantly looking for ways to instill some other mandates and creating all these crises with the Omicron. Um, you know, if you if you're purchasing a business that you don't have a background in, I'm not sure that that would be a wise decision. Um, if you were somebody, if you were somebody that had a full time job and you had a side business where you were a dog groomer and you were grooming all your neighbor's dogs. Okay, they knew they can go to you because you, you did the grooming in your home um, and they were saving money doing that or they were saving a, a longer trip to do that. And then you had a clientele already established and then you wanted to go on your own and get one of those mobile grooming uh, vans that, that would make sense to me as an entrepreneur. Uh, or you want to get um, a retail storefront because right now there's, there's so many companies or small business owners that went out of business. So now you have more lease space popping up and the landlords are, are trying to make it affordable because they want they want to lease it out. Okay. And you can get a really good deal and you already talked to all your clients and they're like, yes, um, if you open up the dog grooming business there, you have me as your client. Okay. Then that would make sense. You see, um, if you are a career insurance agent and now you're ready to go independent and start your own business and you have a couple thousand clients that you can talk to and say, Hey, I'm finally going on my own. Uh, if I go on my own, will you come with me? Then I would think that that's a great idea. But you're thinking about what franchising or going into maybe purchasing a business or I mean, something like either i work as a, a i'm really a teacher but they call it tutoring uh, okay uh so and along the lines of that or a daycare 
I'm just not there yet. My main concern, like I said, one of the concerns is the $15 raise. Like, is that's like going to crush, in my opinion, it could crush a lot of small businesses. Right. I mean, and, and, and it depends on the industry you're going into, but there was a, there was a, a woman in our community who uh, didn't want to follow any of the mandates. She was a teacher in the Broward County school system and decided that she didn't want to everything that she was experiencing was going against her core values. She, she wound up resigning. And then she spoke to her neighbors and it's kind of one of those miracles where now she has five children that she's teaching at home, doing home homeschooling. And, and the parents are paying her instead of sending their children to school. So instantly she became a small business owner and it's working out for her and she's making enough money, you know? so. It, I think it depends on your situation. You know, my my circumstances was that I had a clientele built up in a uh, in a salary position, and when I was ready to launch my business, I had a lot of clients that were going to come with me, and that kind of helped soften the blow a little bit. But it was a lot of work. It was a, like two years of really sacrificing and barely being able to pay my bills before now i'm financially independent so it's always a hard road in the beginning and all i could tell any entrepreneur anybody who's interested in doing uh their own business have zero credit card debt have zero debt have enough money saved up where you could pay your bills for six months to a year um, have the financial investment outside of the emergency reserve funds and whatever you are investing in your business if you are not successful, you're okay with losing that money, that it's not going to be financially devastating, like you're taking a loan against your, your property, or you're taking uh, money from your 401k that if you take it out, you've got no 401k left. So that's the only advice I would give entrepreneurs is make sure you have your ducks in a row, um, you have your act together and then you have to really significantly cut back on a lot of things. When I started my business, I eliminated like, um, you know, Comcast, HBO, all that. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be so busy working. I'm not going to have time to watch TV. Right. So I eliminated that. Um, there was some services that I had on my phone that I, I kind of cut down on that. Um, uh, I cut down on my gym membership and I had all these, uh, exercise things at home. Okay. I'm not going to go to the gym. Uh, because it's a membership, I'm just going to work out at home. So you you have to figure out all the things that you can do to cut back your ex expenses significantly before you launch. Oh, great. Thank you. That was a great answer. And one last question. It sounds silly, but um, it's not the product itself. For example, the uh, have you heard about the cream cheese uh, shortage? I'm hearing about shortages. Yeah, the supply chain um, issues. My brother's a trucker, by the way. He owns a rig. He's in Lakeland, Florida. And I'm hearing a lot of shortages, not just the cream cheese. It's like even simple supplies from the restaurant industry. Like one of one of the senior members on our campaign, she has a lot of relatives that own restaurants. And there's a lot of restaurants in South Florida that her family owns. Okay. So it's, uh, you know, the, it, there's like, like a little tiny plastic, uh, cup that has a cap that they'll put like ketchup in or the condiments or the sauces when somebody's ordering to go well to go is a big part of their business because 
you know, when you have a population that's been so terrified and they're so used to being locked down and they're so afraid to leave their house because they think they're going to catch the Omicron, right? They don't want to go out to restaurants. So they're surviving. A lot of the restaurants are surviving on the to-go business or delivery business. Well, how are you going to, how are you going to send your meal without the condiments? So even little, little, uh, little plastic cups that they're used to order, they can't find them or they can't get them delivered and that's affecting them, okay? And they have to come up with another solution and sometimes that other solution costs more than what they normally get that eats into their profit. So now instead of you know making 20, 30% um, profit, maybe they're down to five or 10% profit because now they have to compensate. So yeah, the supply, the supply issue is affecting a lot of businesses. Well, I appreciate your time. I wish you luck. Um, Thank maybe you. Maybe I'll get with you. Like, so, I mean, dumb question, I guess, but I guess, how do I get with you to pass some brochures down the, you know, or I've never yeah, done we, that. But yeah, we have, we have, um, we had 10,000 door hangers that were being delivered by uh, seven volunteers and we're just ordering another 10,000. So, um, if you need door hangers, you need pump cards, we have them. Just let us know how to get them to you. Yeah. Um, and we also have um, an app called Catch the Vote. Ca Catch the Vote is an app that helps us with canvassing. Yeah. And right now is when we're trying to um, find out who in our district is interested in having a lawn sign. So we can kind of, it's it's yeah. it's an app that's like tied to Google, Google Maps and you can see uh, the whole layout. So you could put a little push pin on the house that said, yes, we'll have your lawn sign on our home. So you can only put lawn signs three months before the election. So that's when we know, you know, like a week or two before that, we'll start delivering all the lawn signs because um, we're, we're getting all that information now. So just let us know what you need and how you want to help. And we'll get you active in our team. Okay, I'll, I'll get with Mike and stuff and i'll go from there thank you for everything and i thank you. i love everything you're standing for keep fighting and i'll root for you and i'll spread thank the word you. and do what i can but i'll get with mike and get your information and go from there thank God you i appreciate you. it thank you that's cool you're uh you're Puerto, you're part puerto rican um mm -hmm. i'm half black Sicilian, and polish but my aunt she married a puerto rican and those guys are my cousins by marriage. <laughs> I love yeah, the food. Yeah. yeah, and my mom is a really good cook. My mom was born in Aguadilla, Puerto Rico, which is like the western coast of the island. And she makes the most amazing, authentic food. Um, and everyone's always asking her for her pasteles, but she doesn't sell oh, them. Oh, <laughs> yeah, don't mention it. Oh, so good. She, yeah, she and she makes it really authentic with the cabbage wrapping, and she oh she makes the masa so good. And yeah, we we, make, we eat good in this house. <laughs> you make the pastelitos, pasteles, the pastelas, yes. Yeah, pastelas. Oh my goodness, I better yeah. stop. <laughs> anybody, anybody else have questions? You press the middle button, and we can call on you. Okay, Fearless Patriot, you're up. Fearless Patriot. 
if you unmute your mic, you're up. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hi. Yeah. Sorry. I hope you can't see me because it's a bad hair day. <laughs> okay. So my question, I, I hopped on there too late. I didn't got the first part. Obviously you're running for something, but um, what are pastelas? I'm from Europe, oh. so this might be a really stupid question. I just have no idea. Is it the little colored? They have like in Mexico, they have those colored desserts, like little bread things. It's like um, it's it's if you look at it like a tamale, it's it's in uh -huh. the category of a tamale, except tamales are made more with like a corn paste. Uh, pasteles is made with um, uh, green bananas and potatoes. Um, my mom puts a little pumpkin in there. I don't, I, knew, I don't know why she's got this thing about pumpkin, but so does her aunt. So they put a little pumpkin in there. They may put a little juca in there. So they make what they call a masa, and in the uh -huh. in the in, in the middle of it is a is this uh, pork stew that has olives and uh, raisins, and they wrap it up in uh, parchment paper. Sometimes they'll put like a layer of cabbage or they'll put like a, a banana leaf and then they'll mm -hmm. cover it uh, with the parchment paper. They'll tie it up and then they uh, simmer that for about 45 minutes to 50 minutes. And then they serve that in a meal with like rice and beans. Yeah. See, I made tamales before I made chicken and I think beef tamales from my, I had Mexican neighbors and they kind of mm. helped me a little bit. And I'm really into cooking. That's why I was like, I had to chime in. It's like a new recipe I have to discover. What is? Yeah, it? there's a there's a really good Puerto Rican cookbook. If I could find it, I mean, it's probably the most authentic Puerto Rican cookbook out there, and it has a recipe for that in there. Maybe you could uh, send it to Mike, and he could post it. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really into cooking. I uh yeah. I actually wanted to do one of the MasterChef things. Ah um, but but I decided not to because I, I I have a bunch of physical problems. I can't stand too long. Yeah. So it wouldn't be it wouldn't be good. But I, I still love cooking. So yeah. I I taught myself how to make my own noodles. I made chocolate noodles with mm -hmm. a ganache and with a currant um like a red sauce. Tart, right. tart, sweet, chocolatey, and then some heavy cream whipped up. It was just like a, I think, I think out of this world, just different, you know. Yes, yes. So, and what are you running for, if I may ask? I didn't, I didn't um, get the whole beginning. I just jumped on a little bit ago. I'm running for Congress in Florida's District 22. Okay, so you're gonna have Ron DeSantis over there, right? Yes. He's good people. Yes, I he is. Yes, I, I wished we would have around this on this hour, a little bread over here, as I call him. I call him the little bread. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not that convinced about him. Middle of the road, a little bit too much blue-blooded. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyways, okay. thank you for all you do, and I'm going to hop back off and let somebody else have the floor. Thank you for all everything. Right. All right, thank you. And just make sure, fearless patriot, that there's sofrito in it. <laughs> uh, yeah, she does put sofrito in the masa as well as in the stew. Yeah, she puts sofrito everywhere. And she makes and it fresh. Well, sofrito, well, it's, well, it's, well, I'll get the recipe from Darlene. 
Okay, I don't have no idea what a frito is. Mm. Like I said, I buy my own masa. They sell it here at Winco, and you can you can mm. just actually take the masa, you make your own stew, and then you roll it. And then, mm. like she said, I banana mm. leaves. I had to order mine online, but I use parchment paper, tie them up, and then I have a little steamer, and I would mm. steam them for quite a ways, you know. And that's how I made my tamales. Put it so much work, and then. Mm. Now I'm going to have to eat tamales for the next three weeks if I have no room in the freezer. So I don't want to do the tama tamales thing anymore. Sorry, I'm having the hiccups. I'm having a margarita. So, oops. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, if you just let me know how the, how that, that Frito thing has been put in there, then uh, I'd understand probably a little bit better what that is. I have Most made definitely. I have made some really nice jerk chicken. I make, when I make a smoked salmon, I make it, I brine it overnight and then I put a mango brine on it while I steam it. And it's, it's just, it's cooked on a banana leaf. That's, that's where I ordered my banana leaves for. And when I make my Christmas turkey, I brine it in a wine spice brine for three days and then I bake it three quarter done and then I usually smoke it if it's not too windy. So it's a, it's a nice, beautiful bird. Anyways, thanks for sharing. Very nice. Um, if anybody else has a question for Darlene, just mm -hmm. press the middle button. We can unmute your mic. And I must say, Darlene, um, I know we booked you in advance, and there's some major groups on Telegram that has major people tonight and major speakings, and I know Linwood is on one group, mm -hmm. so the audience is kind of short tonight. My apologies. No, but... it's okay. Yeah, I and I I've spoken to to Linwood. In fact, I met him at the um, at the Determined Patriot Conference in Branson, Missouri. We became friends. Um, you know, I've been following everything that's going on with him, and I just recently saw that uh, video that Patrick Byrne had put out. And uh, uh, what really surprised me was him revealing the seven senators that pulled him to the side and gave him um, executive powers. One of them was Chuck Grassley. That surprised me, okay? Oh, wow. You never know like who, who, who are the honorable ones and who are not. And there's, there's evil in both parties and there's good in both parties. Mm -hmm. So apparently Chuck Grassley was one of the senators of the seven senators that pulled Patrick Byrne aside and said, we know that there's corruption going on in our government and we're supposed to stop it as senators and we don't feel that we can stop it, okay? Um, did you hear about that? There was a, a video that he just put out. I just saw it yesterday. Wow, so Grassley gave Patrick Byrne executive powers? Not just Grassley, seven senators. There was a... Um, a uh, conference that he just came back from, uh, Clay Clark's conference. I don't know if it was the one that was in, um, was it South Dakota? Um, uh, they were in Dallas recently, I believe. They were in Dallas, or maybe it was Dallas, but it was it was a conference that he just came back from. And it was his video. If you go on Patrick Burns, Burns' Telegram account, it, it, he said, look, I could, I could either it could go two ways. I could I could be dead or I could be um, uh, brought up on charges for what I'm going to reveal to you. 
And he revealed a lot of stuff. He revealed a lot of information. A lot of it was shocking. Oh, wow. That link, I'm sorry. Yeah, I will get the link and I'll send it on the wall when we're done. Mm -hmm. But wow, that's that's eye opening. And yeah. that's why I'm glad for the little bit of members that we do have on that stuck with us with some major um, lives that are going on right now on Telegram. That's right. why it's very important that we attend these speakings. And, and that's why me as a, right. a patriot that loves God and Jesus Christ is leading me to bring these patriots on and we need to get to know them. They're coming on our level. Right. They're not right. going to CNN. They're not going to MSNBC. They're coming right here to we the people. And that's right. why we need to, you know, if you don't even have a question, press that middle button and get to know the person that's representing us because we have some really corrupted stuff that's taken mm -hmm. place. And it's important that we get these patriots in and we can all play a part. Many people say, well, what can I do? Well, donate $5 to their campaign. That I mean, that that plays a really big role. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm thankful for you, Darlene. Thank you. Well, we have we have almost <laughs> almost 600 donors already. Um, and like I said, we raised um, I'm pretty confident it's just over 40,000. We'll know um, the first week of uh, January will be our quarterly financial filings. And so the update on what we've raised will be done, but we, you know, we had some significant campaign fundraising events and I've been working very hard. I mean, I had to go through a busy season with work. I had to get through that. I had, you know, I have 30 agents that rely on me. So I had to get through nine weeks of my busy season with work. And now I'm focusing on the campaign again, full time. And even still within those nine weeks, I had events, I had events, I had you know, networking, uh, speaking engagements. I was flying in between all that to different states. <laughs> but now things are going to calm down a little bit. The holidays are coming, and I'm going to try to relax the last two weeks of this month and then get recharged again for the first week of January. So, so the, that's our short-term plan. And our long-term is to, you know, take back the house, flip the seat red. All the metrics are showing that Republicans will regain the house. Um, and like I shared earlier, you know, the different areas of focus on our campaign, we're poised to capture more of the votes. So it's not just going to be the Republican vote. We feel that we can capture other parts of the community vote that other candidates are not able to achieve. And that has a lot to do with our background and our endorsements. Yeah, most definitely. I, <laughs> I see everything that you're doing. I mean, you're very busy. You got a lot of events. Mm -hmm. um, I know, and you go back and forth on Twitter a lot, and just like all the other candidates that I bring on here that are admins of this group, you now officially are going to have admin status of Conservative Patriot Nation, oh, so when the nice. wall shut down, you can share any information. This platform is now your platform for oh, campaign, anything, the wall is going to be accessed to you. Oh, thank you. That's a privilege. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. No, I appreciate you. And um, I know we have a couple members that just joined in. If anybody has a question for Darlene, she's running for Congress in Florida. Um, if you press the middle button, we'll unmute your mic. She is human. She has teeth. She doesn't bite. And she's a patriot. America first patriot.
They're all shy. Uh, it's okay. All right, William Frank, you're up. Thank you very much for being a patriot, number one. And, and uh, I'm sorry about your dad passing at such a young age and for what you went through uh, in your childhood. But thank you for the experience huh, that the Lord has given you to uh, share with us. And thank you for the time you gave us tonight. I do uh, pray for good things for you. And, I look, and I'm grateful that you are now part of the admin uh, of this uh, platform. God bless you and thank you for your time tonight. Thank you, William. Is there anything that you think we should be focusing on? Something that concerns you? I, it's nothing that hasn't been addressed. Uh, pretty much the same. Um, my values are are God, um, in you know the traditional uh, way of um, you know be nice to people. You know, blah blah blah. I don't mean blah blah blah, but you know, because I I can look nice to you. I can I can sell you whatever. It's, uh, you know, day number one on the job, day number 10, here's year number two, uh, things of that nature. Um, in, in having our own personal integrity questioned mm -hmm. before you're even in office is going to be okay. difficult at times. But it, it's, it's just be who you are as a person, like you were mentioning in the yeah. beginning. Um, people say that, or you people have told you you're, you're too nice for this or mm -hmm. no no you're perfect for it um it, with that demeanor um mm -hmm. because and like you said washington watch out for me if right. washington dc is there by the way right you know but anyways no matter where you go be there mm -hmm. and we'll be there behind you and right. god bless you thank you so much thank you i appreciate it yeah, I want, I want to actually, it's just something that you said that made me remember of an interview that Anthony Sabatini had with this um, reporter. And she is just, you know, you said it's not something that we, that I've, I haven't already shared, but um, she asked Anthony Sabatini questions about, you know, his thoughts on, um, you know, uh, mask mandates and what his thoughts are on, you know, um, shouldn't you do more to protect the virus, you know, people from getting the virus or, you know, um, don't you think you should be like, in other words, like, don't you think you should be more responsible in how, you know, you're communicating and, and I don't think she was prepared for his answer because he's, he's a staunch constitutionalist and he's very well read and um, probably one of the biggest fighters that we have in the state of Florida with regards to our constitutional rights. He's currently a state representative and he is running for Congress um, in the Central Florida area for US Congress. But he turned to her and he said, you know, the government's responsibility is not to protect you or what you do or your health. You know, the role of the government is to protect your rights. That's it. That's all there's that's all they're in place to do is to protect your rights. They're not supposed to be um, creating laws that infringe on those rights. They're not supposed to be creating all these uh, mandates and, you know, government overreaching lockdowns to protect you from a virus. 
if you want to go out in the world and you want to risk your life over a thousand viruses, that's your problem. That's your prerogative. That's your right to do it. If you're not feeling well, then stay home. Okay. There's never been, it's been unprecedented that we quarantine the healthy, you know? And so, you know, that that was a coordinated specific agenda to instill fear and then bank on that fear for control, right? So, you know, the reporter obviously got kind of, and he didn't say it in all those ways. He just said that very simply that, you know, the government's in place to protect our rights. And from when he said that, she looked at him like, I, I'm telling you, like, like he had two heads. <laughs> I love Sabatini. So anyway, uh, it's one of my favorite um, interviews that I saw you know, in recent times, um, but he's right. He's a hundred percent right. You know, the government, it, it, I, I'm telling you, I challenge everyone to go research Chris, Chris Ann Hall, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, Chris Ann Hall. She has Liberty University. She also has a movie called Non-Compliant. But if you listen to her, you will learn that the states, you know, got to a point in our history where we needed to create a government uh, for the U.S. simply to negotiate with other countries and, you know, have our own like national military. There had to be a governing body. But when they did this, they did it in the form of a compact. And, I, and I'm learning these words and these terminologies because when you understand the meaning, then you understand uh, what their focus was and ultimately what our rights are, right? So they created this compact and they said, we're going to create the constitution. Um, but we'll, if we create this constitution, we want to make sure that we don't have a government that oversteps their authority and their boundaries. So we're going to enumerate specific powers, lower powers to the government, reserving the higher powers for ourselves, the states. Okay. So the states, all the states individually have higher power than what the government has. And so when we understand this and they start passing all this legislation in Congress uh, and you understand that the laws that they're trying to pass, the bills that they're looking at, the bills that they're trying to write and pass, then you'll understand how unconstitutional it is. Like, for instance, HR1, when they were trying to centralize the, the election system, okay, that is stealing power from the states. First of all, the states individually have the right to create their own election system for the purpose of voting for our officials, for our elected officials. And that is only the responsibility of the legislative bodies within each state. So in other words, and, and Trump said this, the governor cannot create laws. A judge cannot create laws. Supervisor of elections cannot create laws. Only the legislative body the house within in the individual states can create laws and the government, our US government cannot steal power away from the states and try to centralize the election system. That's the reason, the main reason why it failed. It is unconstitutional what they were trying to do. Same thing when they were trying to, in the beginning of the year, they were talking about 
making Washington, D.C. a state. They can't do that. First of all, the land that that D.C. occupies is not a state. It's it's a land that was separated, not separated, actually, it's the wrong word, was annexed. It was annexed away from two states. It's it's bordering two states, okay, for the purpose of creating a capital. So if the, if the states say, okay, we no longer have ownership or claim to that land, we don't want it anymore. That's the first part that would have to be done. And then it would take two-thirds vote of the entire country to, to vote to make that piece of land a state. That is the true process according to the Constitution. So arbitrarily, Washington, D.C. can say, oh, we want to create our own state so that they can get um, more, more House of Representatives and more senators. That was the ultimate goal. Because at the time, D.C. was like literally like 90 something percent Democrat. So, of course, in their mind, they're thinking we're going to get another Democrat House seat and we're going to get another uh, Democrat senator seat. You see, so that is everything is about a power play and everything uh, with uh, the U.S. government is always figuring out how can we steal more power away from the states. That's why a lot of what I do when I give speeches and I give talks is I talk about our constitution because it's through education that we can understand how does it work, what our power is, and how to say, how to voice our concern and say no when we see that they're not acting uh, constitutionally. God has absolutely allowed me the privilege to learn a lot of what you're talking about. And with Washington, D.C. being the way it is now, uh, encaged, as you know, um, as a corporation, the United States of America as a corporation is bankrupt. But our Constitution as a republic is coming is coming more alive than I have ever known it to be, of course, my lifetime. And for over a hundred years, I believe, or um, and what you personally, you are going to be a part of something brand new. And it's got to be so exciting for you because it's nothing compared to what the, let's say, norm ever has been. So you are going to be the beginning of uh, the great awakening, you know, uh, of of everything in respect to um, our ambassador, if you will, um, to assist us. And it's not going to be anything like it was. And uh, folks like you with your heart and your ambition is what we're looking for. So mm -hmm. thank you again for your time. And I'm going to... Uh, allow somebody else to speak. God bless you and thank you. Thank you, Mr. Frank. All right, LB, I seen your hands is up. Your mic is unmuted. You can unmute it. Okay. <laughs> I usually don't speak on anything like this. Um, whenever it comes to history and our country, I've always been like well we'll let everyone else handle that 
you know, I'll just live in my little bubble and uh, that's what's gotten our country <laughs> in the situation it is now where people have just stepped out. But I'm a person who really, I feel overwhelmed with, you know, the way the country is and what I can do as someone who is trying to learn. I mean, I can't even name elected people in our states and all of that. Um, with someone like me who's a beginner in all of this, because I do feel like our public school system mm -hmm. failed me by not teaching any of this. Um, where would I even start like to get involved and like what steps can I take? I mean, like with the vaccine and all the mandates and all that kind of stuff, I'm just one person and I don't know what to do, but I feel like I have to do something. So I take a sign and I go stand on the corner of the street and hold okay. it because I don't know what else I to can do. do or how to do. Like, where does a beginner go? <laughs> where does a beginner go? Well, I want, I want, I think it's a great question, Linda. I'm glad you asked it and I can definitely give you some guidance. Um, the first thing is you're not the only one that feels overwhelmed. There's a lot of people that feel overwhelmed with the state of affairs of where we are as a country. Um, and I don't want you to blame yourself because I think initially I blame myself. Okay. I was busy trying to run a business. I was busy having my life. I was busy going camping. Um, and like everybody else, I never cared about politics. Okay. But I think if you, if you ever saw that movie out of shadows, it, they touched on it a little bit. I think we've all been in a way programmed to be apathetic and not care about our politics. Like how often did you hear throughout your life that your vote doesn't matter? And we all learned that that's actually true, okay? But we heard it so often, or you heard every politician is corrupt. You know, we believed it then, but we're learning now how true that was. So when you've heard that so much, how at that point do you even care about politics you, you feel like you don't have a voice you feel like you have no control and and i believe that we let the rest of life kind of take care of itself and we took we let politics take a back seat and you are 1000 percent correct that this is what we ended up with we ended up with with a country where like almost every politician is compromised and and we're sitting here complaining about it so what's the solution uh, the first solution is, um, and you've got to figure this out, like what party you want to be aligned with. I'm a Republican. I have never been a Democrat. I grew up in a Democratic community. Um, and I'm not saying this to influence you, but I'm telling you why I am a Republican. Okay. Uh, I saw Democrat policies destroy my community and create a dependent mindset. And so when I didn't understand what each party meant I first registered as a Republican and then eventually realized I couldn't vote uh, in primary. So I chose Republican after I researched the party. Okay. And after researching the party is when I realized 
It's always been the party of diversity. It's always been the party uh, of less government and less taxes. It's been the party that fought for women's suffrage and the women's right to vote. It was the party um, that allowed people that were turned away by the Democratic Party to register, you know, like Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther King, um, Condoleezza Rice's father. She was turned, he was turned down five times by the Democratic Party. And so basically him and his entire family were all Republicans as a result. So when you learn the true history of the party, all that, you know, the, the, the role reversal of how they try to vilify the Republican Party, that was all the Democrat Party doing. So I learned all of that. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm way, I'm conservative and I'm way more aligned with the Republican Party. Once you figure out what party you were going to be aligned with, okay, the next step is to become a member of your local executive committee, okay? So for me, that would have been the Republican Executive Committee. And in South Florida, when you are uh, a member of the Republican Executive Committee, if in where you live, there isn't somebody who's registered, you can choose to become a um, committee man or committee woman, okay? And that, look up the precinct strategy. Dan Schultz out of Arizona wrote a book called The Precinct Strategy. And what that does is it explains to you how to get politically active in your community. So now once you become a committee woman or committee man, and you've ever thrown a barbecue or if you've ever had a gathering in your home, then guess what? You're qualified. You, you probably get a list of all the voters that live within a mile or two of where you live. And you can call all of them and say, hey, I'm your committee woman. Um, you know, I live in Deerfield Beach, so I'm a committee woman for uh, A006. So I'll call my neighbors and say, I'm your committee woman for A006. I want to introduce myself. My name is Darlene Swaffer. I also happen to be running for Congress. And I want to know if you're available every, you know, third Monday of the month um, so that we can have a meeting and we can provide you a legislative update and you can understand what's happening uh, with all the club meetings. If you want to attend events or rallies or get involved or help a candidate get elected, I can give you all that information if you're available. If not, you can meet one-on-one. -on -one. You can come to my office. I'll give you an update there for five minutes. So you, you do this and you have your monthly meetings every month. You update your neighbors. You get to know your neighbors. Now you're surrounded by a community of people that are like-minded and you're not by yourself anymore. See? And then when it comes time for elections, everybody within your community is one is going to want to get updated on the different candidates that are running and who to who to vote for, right? So that's how you can become active. So it's through that um through that involvement helps build social engagement and also i would highly suggest that instead of sitting on a corner and 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 being by yourself with a banner um try to find out who's running in your community try to identify whether they're an america first candidate or not and if they're an america first candidate instead of holding a, a, gen, a generic you know sign Hold a sign for that candidate if that's something that you like to do. Or go door knocking for them and deliver door hangers to doors or make some phone calls for them. And the calls don't have to be like fundraising calls. They could be, you know, um, my name is Darlene Swaffer and I'm um, making calls on behalf of blah, blah, blah campaign. And I want to tell you a little bit about this candidate that's running for office in your community. Um, so it could be something as simple as that. 
Thank you so much. I took notes on all of that. I just, I don't want to sit back anymore. I want to actually get in there. So thank you so much. Oh, Darlene, your, your mic was muted. Huh? Yeah, no, I know. I was telling my son something. <laughs> oh, never mind. Sorry. All right. So did, so, I answer, did I answer her question? Yes, you did. Thank you okay. so much. You're welcome. You got more time, Darlene? We got. I do. All right, Truth, you're up. Good evening, Ms. Darlene. Um, thank you for the invite, Mike. I, I got on late. I'm actually preparing for a funeral and a wedding tomorrow and my husband's situation. So I've been busy. But I got on and... um. I was able to hear Ms. Darlene talk about the uh, the state trying to override, um, I mean, the federal government trying to override the state's uh, authority or uh, what they can and what they can't do in federal elections. Um, number one, uh, when you were speaking about that, the first thing that came to mind was Georgia and how the attorney general or the governor actually overrode the legislature with the, the voting and what I don't understand, if they didn't have the authority, if you will, to do that, why isn't just Georgia null and void? I mean, it how do you, I'm sorry. That is, that is grounds, that is grounds for the election to be decertified. Absolutely, a thousand percent. But the problem is, is that in that state, you have a compromised attorney general and governor colluding together. That's the problem. When you have corrupt elected officials that are not following the Constitution, you end up in the situation where you have right now. So absolutely, the fact that they overrid the legislature makes the entire election fraudulent and is grounds for decertification. Right. And so that's what I don't understand when you do have all of these um, corrupt politicians. So the governor and the the, uh, the gentleman, Kemp and... The other guy, the the, the attorney general, whoever's yeah. up under the governor, um, mm -hmm. I don't understand um, how there is not something in place. And I guess because you said we've been kind of uh, apathetic or you know not involved in politics that as much as we should have been. Many of us, mm -hmm. we just vote and we think that's it, you know. Right. And so we lose track of everything that's going on, and that's when part why we're dealing with much of what we're dealing with today because we just go vote. We think we've done our part, but we don't get involved. And so that being said, and, and you're here and hearing you talk about the history of the Republicans and Democrats and the Condoleezza right family while they were Republicans. If I look at both parties as a whole, I am an admitted um, a Democrat from young age following family. And I understand and know the definition of Insanity is doing the same thing over and over um, <laughs> and not getting a different result. Um, and so I, I finally really pretty much woke up and, and I'm in this same boat with everybody else. But my question to you is when you were talking about the Democrats and Republican and the history of the, the Democratic Party, because in many instances, I see the Democratic Party and the Republican Party divided among uh, uh, along the lines of race for the most part. You do have, you know, a lot of, you know, you do have Blacks in the Republican Party. You have Latino in the Republican Party. So you have a mixture and you have the same thing in, in the Democratic Party. 
But my question to you is, is that when you know what you were sharing about the history, how do you, and maybe you said it, because like I said, I got on very late. Um, how do you plan to reach out and unify not just a party because we're divided by party, we're divided by race, now we're divided by vax and unvax, and we have all this division. What is your plan to unite the party along racial lines and to tear down the barriers in those communities who maybe you can sway to come to us with that history, you know, the Republican Party with that history, so that we can come together as one uh, with the same goal and agenda to move forward for family and the, the, um, the um i guess the quality of life that i would think that the majority of the people want in this country yes i mean i i i'm not expecting anybody to switch their party i mean some people are going to be aligned to their party because they believe in the values of it so if you think about the democrat party you know they they they're focused on not leaving the least of us behind you know like in other words having social services program to help individuals that cannot help themselves that is the basis of their party and i respect that and i honor that and i look 80 85 of my family are registered democrats so i totally get it but i agree with you that there's got to be some type of unifier and the unifier is um there are many people in the democrat party that are appalled by the progressive agenda that certain radicals have tried to steer their party towards they're not for that you know they're for secure borders they're for safe communities they're not for defunding the police you know they're for uh economic development uh and job opportunities um they're they're not into this whole racial division um, they're they're normal Americans just like you and I. You know they don't want that. So those are the people that I feel that I can reach. And I do talk about from a historical perspective. Uh, and this is where this author uh, William J. Federer comes in. He's a world-renowned author, where he talks about the history of socialism from Plato to present. When you look at what's happening in our country right now, it's sort of like a play, like a page from their playbook as far as how do you destroy a country? Well, you divide it. So how, how you conquer to, you know, you, you divide to conquer, correct? So what are the division tactics that you would use to divide a, a country? Well, you divide along economic lines, rich against poor, you divide, you know, on religion, you know, attack the Christian and the Jews, you um, divide against race, you know, white against black or any other, you know, uh, race, you know, you divide on, um, uh, you know, uh, value, the value system of the country, you tear down uh, the history of the country. So there's a lot of different tactics, like economic, religion, race, um, you know, tear down the family. These are all division tactics that have been systematically used for thousands of years to infiltrate and penetrate and destroy countries. And so if we smarten up and realize that, and we understand what their end game is, we can eliminate that and then come together and finally focus on fixing our country. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm all for that. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm Boricua. <laughs> you know, we never saw, like, I grew up in the most multicultural city on the planet. I grew up in Brooklyn, okay? I mean, my best friend uh, in, in childhood was black. I mean, we, we never looked at color. 
I never looked at color. I never looked at religion. Um, you know, I, I, matter of fact, the greatest love of my life was Muslim and I grew up, you know, Catholic. So, you know, no, I think at this point as Americans, nobody cares. Nobody cares what your color is. Nobody cares what your religion is. Nobody cares about anything. They care about the content of your character. Okay. And so when we smarten up to that, that's when we'll have the way to bridge this divide and figure out when are we all going to be on the same playing field and be on the same team so that we can actually take back our country. And I believe that this is what's going to happen in 2022. I really do. I believe it because I've traveled all over the country and people are talking about the same things. We're very tired. We want our country back and we want to go back to living somewhat of a normal life. And we want to have family gatherings again and reunions and we want to go on vacations and we want to enjoy life. And I, I, I actually agree with you um, wholeheartedly. The thing that um, um, when you were talking about the, the I, and I respect both parties. I mean, I understand the, the Democratic side and, and, and not wanting to leave anybody behind. But also, I also looking at having been uh, on the Democratic side all of these years, I never, this is not to brag, it's not to boast. I went to work at 14. So I don't know what it's like to be on food stamps, to have to depend on food stamps. I've been independent, you know, been blessed to be independent and had to drive to go work and not sit back and wait on a welfare check or Section 8 housing. I mean, while I did, you know, help somebody on Section 8 when I had some property, um, I, we got complacent after the 30s um, uh, when, when it came to handouts. And right. so, and I know the Republican side is, you know, we, we don't want to give out freebies for people to just sit at home and watch the soap operas all day. I get that, mm -hmm. too. So I respect that aspect of it, but also respect the fact that on the other side that they don't want to leave anybody behind. But if the Republican Party and the Democratic Party can work together to provide affordable housing, to provide decent paying jobs, when you mm -hmm. have Kentucky Fried Chicken, not Kentucky Fried, but one of the McDonald's posting a sign for $21 an hour. If you can pay tw somebody $21 an hour in this season right now, you could have paid them $21 an hour before all of this happened. Mm -hmm. You know, with your CEO making $9,000 or more an hour. Right. You know, so we have to find a happy medium where we who have the same basic needs as a race, as a people, mm -hmm. as a human race, with the same basic needs to eat, drink, shelter, food, and clothing, I mean, a decent paying job to care for your family, mm -hmm. you know, who can, who can live off of $7 and 25 cents an hour? That's true. Nobody. You're going to find that more though, I think in democratic cities. But the thing is, is that if you look at our uh, founding documents, it was actually made for a society that will focus on self-governance. Those were Puritan values. Our, our founding fathers focused on Puritan values, okay? So, I, and I have a document that I can share with Michael that you can post up. It actually came from Ancestry. And when it was, it was posted to one of my oldest ancestors, um, it was Peter Folger, I believe. Peter Folger or, no, no, uh, Benjamin Franklin, okay? So I have a document that shows that, you know, they, they uh, believed in 
you know, uh, everyone should be reading the Bible. I mean, this is just from the document. Everybody should read the Bible and develop their own personal relationship with God. Um, they, it talks about self-government, like everybody contributing to the benefit of the entire community. So in other words, a community that was a farming community, everybody had a role to play um, so that the crop would produce a harvest. And when the harvest came out, everybody benefited from that harvest. So there is no such thing as, you know, a dependent type society under that model. And where, where are we right now as a country? Yeah, we have a big part of our population that has been kind of like indoctrinated to be okay with this dependent mindset. Um, if you go back to the time of Rudy Giuliani, um, the former mayor of New York, he was trying to help affect change in that area. He radically changed the welfare system. There was no such thing anymore that if you were on welfare your entire life and you never worked a day in your life, that was not going to continue. You had to go and get some type of education. They, I think it was they gave you a year or two years, whatever it was. You needed to go to school, learn a trade, and go back to work. There was no such thing as lifetime welfare anymore. So he kind of started that, and it did provide a huge solution in New York. Um, but that has to be something that's like nationwide. I mean, I agree with you 100%. We, we as a society need to kind of re-educate uh, people who have been, in, in some respects, programmed to think that that's okay, because it's not. It take you know it's like accounting one hundred and one. You can't spend more than you take in. Okay, you take in a hundred dollars, you cannot spend a hundred and ten dollars. It it's not going to work budget wise. And so yeah, we do have to teach fiscal responsibility to every average day American. They're not teaching that in the classrooms. They're not teaching kids how to balance a budget. They're not teaching economics one hundred and one. They're not teaching these kind of things. So that, I agree with you. Does that answer your question, Truth? Yeah, it it, it does. I just um, she, I mean, you know, she 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 answered the question, and then you know, she added some some other things. But I agree with what she just said, and in, in her answer, um, and also just to just add just this little caveat as far as um not being on welfare, get finding the work, you know, trade and things like that. I mean, so when you talk about being programmed to you know watch um soap operas or whatever, welfare. But the other aspect of that is, is that when you look at communities, when you talk about democratic communities or you look at cities like Chicago, Philadelphia, and all of these cities that have these major problems, you know, a lot of that stems from the drugs and the gangs. And mm -hmm. those drugs that were dropped in many of these communities came from many of our so-called leaders, whether they're politicians, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, or the like businessmen or whatever that have tons of money and benefited from this stuff, not just the mm -hmm. cocaine trafficking, mm -hmm. fentanyl and all of that stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that plays a role in tearing down communities as well. And so mm -hmm. how do we find a way to build it back up? That's not another question. That's just in my mind right now. Yeah. But thank well, you for- I, I have first-hand knowledge in that, okay? I grew up in a drug-infested, crime-infested community in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and drugs were shoved in all of our faces. I mean, in fact, they, they acted like it was a favor. Here, I'm giving you crack cocaine. Why don't you go get, you know, feel great about it. So um, I grew up with that. I grew up surrounded with drugs all over the place, okay? So with regards to the dependent society, um, there was a 13-year-old girl in my junior high school that was four months pregnant. 
And uh, she was talking to a couple of the girls in school. I was 12 years old at the time. And I came up on their conversation. And she was explaining to the girls that when she has her baby, she's going to make $300 a month. Now, this is back in um, like 1978, 1979 ish. Okay. And then she proceeded to tell the girls that her mother told her if she has three babies, that she's going to get a thousand dollars a month. Okay. So I asked her, I'm like, you don't want to, you don't want to work. You don't want to like travel around the world. I mean, you just want to have children. And she gave me this look like, yeah, you know, because in her mind, she's like, oh, she, all she thought about was the money. She didn't think about the kids, you know? So that's what I mean about like that dependent mindset. Like they created a dependent society on purpose. It's, it's all about control. Okay. And, um, I told my mom that, you know, please don't send me to Bushwick high school because there's drug dealers in that school and the girls are getting pregnant. I, I don't want to be around that. And I, I don't know how, but the, by the grace of God, she allowed me to apply for a high school in Manhattan called Norman Thomas high school for which I was accepted. And the first, um, or rather the, 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 the last three years of that high school, my major was accounting. By the time I graduated high school, it was equivalent to one year of college. And I had the experience to be a full charge bookkeeper. Okay. And then I took two more years of accounting in college. Um, so the point is, is that, you know, life, life is about the choices that you make. Um, and I had the free thought to, to make those kind of choices. But it, for certain people, they're surrounded by a, a particular mindset and they're influenced by that mindset. And that is their world and that is their life. So how do you break, how do you break away from that? How do you, how do you educate them and get to, them to understand that, you know, they could have chose a different path. They were influenced by the world that they were living in, but there are different choices that can be made. And I mean, I'd love, I'd love the opportunity to go on a road trip and basically share my story to explain to people that, you know, you have a choice. And so the, all the choices that I made and yeah, I had a hard road and I, I think I had the the hardest way that you could possibly go for every decision that I made, but I finally made it. I went from racks to success. Okay. So, and everybody has that opportunity. It's all based on the choices that you make because choices determine outcomes. Your outcome determines your opportunities, right? So everybody has that power. Everybody has that opportunity. All right. And we can move on to Chestnut Girl. And it looks like a patient. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. You're welcome. Good too. afternoon. Good evening, Thank I should say. Darling. Um, Go ahead, Chestnut Girl. Okay. Good evening, everyone. I just wanted to uh, reach out to Linda um, or LB, who's uh, I think still listening, just because uh, this fall I was just like you in terms of um, I I did my duty and I voted, uh, did the preparation before to figure out which candidates, but after I voted, you know, I kind of that's it. I'm done, uh, you know, until the next uh, election. But uh, I decided that I couldn't I couldn't sit on the couch any longer. And um, and 
and just watch our United States, which I'm, I love and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just go to, to where it seems to be going right now. And, mm-hmm. uh, I have the, uh, uh, fortunate that I, I'm fortunate that I live in, um, Florida and actually mm-hmm. I'm, I live in Broward County. I don't know Hello. about Darlene, if you, uh, recognize my voice, um, from, uh, last night. Uh, but anyways, I've been working with Darlene and um, just listening to you tonight, Darlene, you break down um, some complex I- issues and make it easy for folks to understand, like myself, who, who is, is new to uh, getting involved and trying to, you know, make a difference in the world. And, um, and I, I really feel like we're going to make a difference. And in terms of truth or truth seeker, um, the person, the woman that was just speaking, um, it's funny because I wasn't sure what to expect because I've never done this before. And I'm finding, I, I help uh, Darlene get some candidate petition form signed. And so when I, when I'm at these events, I go around and I speak to people one-on-one and what I'm finding is there's independents and, and there's Democrats and of course Republicans and, and they give, they want to tell me their story and they want to say that they're not, super happy with what's going on right now in the United States. And I feel like we're at a turning point that we all can't sit on our couch or, you know, hit the like button on someone's, um, you know, tweet or whatever, because that's really not going to get us to our end result. We need to get out there and we need to get active. And, um, and I want to say, Darlene, you know, you, you've inspired me. You really have. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful that, you know, you're, you're putting yourself out there for, for us. And, um, and I also think that, uh, you know, hope we're, we're going to have a chance. That, that's what I'd like to say. I, I think we're going to have a chance to make a difference here. So, and, and, oh, truth seeker, I wanted to say also very much um, the way I've always voted for a candidate. I usually, uh, I'm talking presidential candidate. I usually vote against a candidate instead of for a candidate. But one of the things that I recognized in the last election, and I have a background in um, finance as well, and so I, the way I run my home is if I can't afford it, I don't buy it. And, mm-hmm. and what I'm seeing with, with the present um, administration is, you know, the, the way they're spending probably, well, we see it in our, you know, you see it in the grocery store, but you're mm-hmm. also going to see it. Our kids are going to see it. Our dollar is going to be mm-hmm. worth nothing pretty soon. Right. And, right. you know, so I've always, that's been like my major uh, focus because yeah, I'm a single mom. And so, you know, I have to make sure that everything balances and, mm-hmm. and that's how I kind of have, have uh, chose, that's how I chose my, my party. But uh, anyways, I just wanted to say, I'm, thankful that I jumped on tonight and I'm enjoying listening to you all. Thank you. And I want to add something to that because that's the, I love what she just shared that she is fiscally responsible. I, I have 
very little credit card debt. And what I mean by little is like $50, $100. And typically I pay it off at the end of every month. I only use my credit cards for putting gas in my car, buying groceries at the supermarket. I don't make purchases I can't afford. I don't own a Louis Vuitton bag, okay? I probably couldn't afford it, but I don't own one. I own Bagalini. They're washable, they're waterproof. It has a whole bunch of pockets and they never fade. And it's like a fraction of the cost. I'm a very practical person, okay? Regarding my business, I did everything that I had gave advice earlier to another um, uh, uh, person that was on the chat where I had no credit card debt. I cut back all my bills. I had a lot of emergency savings saved up and I had a good amount in my 401k. I took a loan against my 401k to open up my business. Um, and my business is debt-free. There's no, My business owes no money. My business is just making money, okay? And I personally have no debt. And the only two pieces of debt that I have is my car loan and my RV loan. I own an RV, like an RV trailer. I go camping with my son. Um, so, you know, why am I sharing this? Um, I'm sharing it because I, I live my mission statement. I'm somebody that, and it's funny because when I was sharing all this with my treasurer and he had to file a uh, financial statement with the U.S. House of Representatives because that's required when you're running for office, um, he said, um, okay, so tell me about your debts. I'm like, well, I've got none. You know, I've got like those two loans, like, he goes, that's it? I'm like, yeah, that's it. You know, he's like, you're, you've got the least complicated financial life I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> um, so, you know, like I, I would be bringing those, that practical sense, that common sense with me to Congress. I'd be questioning every, like, why do we have to spend that? It's just, just like Trump. He's like, okay, you know, these trade deals, why are they, uh, why were they created in this respect? Just because, and we're following this trade deal because it's always been done that way. No, we're, we're, it's not an equitable trade agreement for the United States. So he got us out of, um, you know, the 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 Mexican it was a Canada-Mexican trade deal, and he de developed individual trade deals, one with Canada and one with Mexico, and then he got us out of this trade deal with China said, so, well, you know, to make it equitable, you need to start paying tariffs. You know, he got us out of the Paris Accord. Like, why are, why are we in this agreement where we're the primary funder to help other countries being responsible uh, with um, saving the environment? Like, why are we the only ones funding this when we're not a big contributor? Our country is not a big contributor overall in the whole world on waste and, and abuse with the environment. Uh, you know, why, why, are, why is our country um, military, why is our military defending other countries and we're footing the bill for our military to do that? If you want our military to defend your country, then you need to pay for our military to do that, okay? So he started calling out, at the time it was what, the G8 or the G7, that was like the G6. So he was calling out Everyone's saying, you know, you haven't paid your bill in a long time and you're supposed to pay like I believe, uh, that, I believe that was Germany because he said we're protecting you them. from Russia, but you're paying Russia for energy. 
guess what? It was all of them, Michael. All of them. Wow. All of them. He called it out was Germany all of them. specifically. He called out Germany specifically saying, you know, you're paying uh, Russia for their oil. You, you're paying whatever, but you're not paying us. Or that was just one, one country he was calling out. But at one point, none of them, none of them was paying the bill. It was in place, but they were not paying the bill. And yeah. so, and then he got to the point where there was like four or five countries that started paying, but then a couple that still hadn't paid. And then he called them out that year, you know, but um, I, I would be the same, like, okay, I'm not running for president, but I would be the same way in respect to, you know, I'm running for district 22. Okay. Yes. I'm running for us Congress, but when I get there, and they're working on bills. My question is, well, how does this impact District 22? What is what we're talking about? How does that impact my community? Because if it doesn't impact my community, it's not following the constitution, my vote is no. And that's what I've been doing. There's certain pieces of legislation that is being heard in the house and I'm making formal statements because I'm researching the bills myself. I'm not an attorney. Okay, I don't have a law background, but I know how to read legislation. I know how to read contracts. I'm a business owner. I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I know I, I, it doesn't take that much. Okay, so I've been reading the legislation and I've been forming an opinion on the legislation. And I've been putting out press releases saying Swaffer for Congress would vote no on this bill. Swaffer for Congress. I haven't had one yet that I would say I would vote yes. It hasn't been one yet that I read with the 116th Congress and the 117th Congress, not one. And you know what? One thing I would like to say is <clears throat> what's very important. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if Darlene is running for Congress in Florida because every congressperson's yay or nay yeah. affects all of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know we're we're going over an hour. If anyone had a question um, for Darlene, I really don't want to hold her too much. But if anybody had a question, um, we can probably squeeze one or two in. Oh, looks like you're going to get off easy tonight, Darlene. All right. I'm thankful that you've joined us, and I would love to bring you back Thank again you. and and. As soon as we're done with this call, you'll be admin to this group. Thank you. And if everybody can go visit my website so they can get to know us a little bit better, they'll see all of our endorsements. They'll see a little bit about my background. Um, they'll see our platform, you know, what we stand for. We're fighting election integrity every day. Um, you know, I'm all for economic development. And there's a lot of things that we can bring to the table with regards to my expertise on Medicare. I want to eliminate Part B and Part D penalty. And I also don't think that it's fair that seniors who make more than $32,000 are taxed on their Social Security income. And that tax is not going back into the Social Security fund. It's going into the Treasury. I want to eliminate that. So there's a lot of ideas that I have that would, you know, basically right the wrongs that are currently in place. Um, and they can find me in SwafferForCongress.com, S-W-A-F-F-A-R, just like the sign behind me, F-O-R, the word Congress.com. So SwafferForCongress.com. If you can make a contribution, 1776 or 
2022, the year that I'm running, I would really appreciate it one time or once a month until the election is over. Anything that you can do, anything that you can afford, we would really appreciate it. Absolutely. And I'll be sending you $100 to your campaign tonight. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Thank you for joining us. All right. God bless everyone. God bless the country. God bless the USA. Night. Bye.